brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Duncan. I'm John Hodge. Today, we've got a special podcast for the start of the CFL season. We're going to be going coast to coast, three minutes on a critical question for each CFL team. Dunkster, you ready to go across the country in just 27 minutes? Man, it's about time to finally kick off some football, buddy. Let's do it. Yeah, we're, we're one day out. I can't wait. Let's put three minutes up on the clock. We're going to start with the BC Lions. Dunkster, I want to know, can the front seven in BC generate a pass rush? Well, the BC Lions believe they can, and I like the young pieces that they've put together there. J.R. Tavai, they bring over from Ottawa, who goes from the Red Blacks with Rick Campbell to the Lions with Rick Campbell. Tim Bonner, I think, is a guy that is underrated, and Obam Guachum is an intriguing prospect that a lot of teams had eyed and were upset about when the Lions had put him on their neg list. So those three guys, for me, yes, a couple of them are young and first-time CFLers, but they're ultra-athletic. They have upside, but they got to prove that they can actually get after the passer. Yeah, I mean, let's remember, in, in February 2020, the Lions went out and basically bought a brand new defensive line. They brought in Ryan Brown. They brought in Micah Johnson. They brought in Chris Kasher. And what they've done is essentially gotten rid of all those guys, minus, of course, J.R. Tavai, as you mentioned, who's still there, and and brought in a bunch of fresh faces. And I, I'm not saying that's a recipe for disaster or anything, but obviously that's a roll of the dice, right? You're coming into a shortened season at one of the game's most important positions where you're hoping to generate a pass rush and you've got, you know, ne- next to nobody who's done it before. Are, are you concerned about that? A little bit because in this league and you talk to general managers or coaches in the league or former general managers and coaches that have won great cups and they'll all tell you, Hodge, and you know this, veteran teams win titles. That's why the Hamilton Tiger Cats are the favorites going into the season to win the Great Cup on home soil in Hamilton. They're a veteran team and they kept that coaching staff together. So I'm with you. It does worry me that they don't have anyone that's proven outside of J.R. Tavai. That said, we have seen people step up very quickly in these roles, but it's hard to say if these guys can actually get it done right off the bat. The other really youthful piece in that front seven is Jordan Williams, who was the number one overall pick of the 2020 CFL draft. He's been out of football for, I think it's three full years now. He did not qualify as Canadian until he showed up to a free agent camp for, I believe it was the Ottawa Red Blacks, and they kind of realized, oh, 
you you've got a parent who was born in Canada. You can qualify as a national. So I think Jordan Williams has the potential to be a sensational player. He's got NFL skills. Uh, he just lacked an NFL body, right? He's a linebacker. He's about you know maybe six foot and about two hundred fifteen pounds. Which you know in the NFL you're playing safety, not middle linebacker. Are you nervous about him? you know, potentially having some rust considering it's looking like he's going to be the day one starter in the middle. Certainly that's a factor. And not only just rust, Hodge, but he's a rookie in the CFL. We all got to remember that, that they're trusting this guy to be the leader in the middle of the defense, make all the calls, make all the checks, get the front lined up, you know, help out the secondary if need be. And he's a rookie. He has all these athletic traits. I think he should be in the conversation at least to start the year for the most outstanding rookie. But we're talking about a guy, as you said, that hasn't played real life football in a number of years. And that was in college in the NCAA. Now we're talking about playing the pro game with elite athletes in Canada. It's a different ballgame. Moving on to Calgary. Dunkster, are the Stampeders receivers good enough? Yes, and it comes with a caveat because Bo Levi Mitchell's thrown them the football, all right? Kamar Jordan should be fully healthy. He still needs to prove that he can stay 100% for an entire season. But that's going to be Bo's, I think, go-to guy, at least off the bat. The other guy to watch, Hergie Malaya. Bo Levi Mitchell has raved about him. And yes, he's talked about Colton Hunchak as well. But Malaya has... 1,000-yard potential in a regular 18-game season. I'd argue he might even have it in this shortened 14-game scenario because of how much Bo Levi Mitchell trusts him, and he really loves his upside. You don't hear Bo Levi Mitchell gush about players that he doesn't love and trust especially. I I don't think this receiving core is good enough, and I, I like the guys who you mentioned, Kamar Jordan, He's sensational and healthy. The problem is over the last three calendar years, he's never really been healthy. Uh, The Stamps put him in for the West Final in 2019, which I think was a mistake. But I also think it showed how desperate that team was to add a playmaker in the receiving core because, I'm sorry, Markeith Ambles and Josh Huff just do nothing for me whatsoever. I've never seen Bo Levi Mitchell in a position where frankly he's throwing to mediocre targets and you you mentioned dunkster and i'll give you credit for it yes if you've got bully by mitchell obviously he's going to make your receivers around you better but these are two guys who averaged about 40 yards a game uh, about three three catches a game in 2019 i i don't think they're good enough and if kamar jordan is hurt or gets hurt again um, to, to me, there's there's no depth there. There's no Juwan Breskison. There's no Eric Rogers. There's no Reggie Bagleton. Like the the amount of talent that's left, I think far supersedes the talent that is still in Cowtown. Bolivar Mitchell's there though, and he's made stars out of receivers that we didn't even know their name. That was a few years ago. Reggie Bagleton. He was a practice roster guy, got his start. And the targets for all these players are going to be going up, Hodge. It's fine, well, and good to say, well, they only average three catches or 40 yards a game. But the targets are going to go up for the receivers that are in that core now because Eric Rodgers is gone, mainly. So I think overall people are going to say, well, talent level's not there. But we don't really know because we haven't seen these receivers in a primetime role with Bo Levi Mitchell without Eric Rodgers, who was his dude, especially in the red zone. 
I suppose. And, and, and the one thing that I will give credit for is we, we also do not know what those other receivers necessarily look like because we haven't had a preseason whatsoever. So presumably there's going to be a guy in camp or a couple of guys in camp who sit on the practice roster and, and pop off. To me, I'm just very surprised, frankly, that the Stamps don't have better day one starters in the receiving core to set Bo up for success. Moving on, we've got the Edmonton Elks, the newly minted Edmonton Elks. And my question for you, Dunksters, who the heck are these linebackers? The team cut Vontae <laughs> Diggs, who was really their only veteran linebacker, and now they've got Keyshawn Bieria, Malik Clements, Niles Morgan, two of whom are going to start. And if you're listening to this podcast going, wait, who the heck are these guys? Well, so are we. So are we. <laughs> Bonte Diggs being cut might have been the most surprising release of any player on cutdown day. You consider he's young, still just 25, had played, yes, only one season, but had proven himself was the team's nominee for the Most Outstanding Rookie of the Year award, and all of a sudden he's gone. Yes, they really like the young players that you mentioned, but you've never seen them in a game. You've seen Diggs play. You know the quality that he can bring to your lineup. Now, I'm sure Jamie Elizondo, Noel Thorpe, and Brock Sunderland are all convinced that these players will be better in the long run. But in the short term, especially in a 14-game season, it's surprising to me that you would let a young, rising star like Diggs go for nothing and just cut him and the Toronto Argos pick him up and they feel like he's going to be their middle linebacker of the future down the road yeah I mean it, it was certainly a surprise and the you know Niles Morgan seems to be getting a lot of attention there he put up some really great numbers at Notre Dame which of course is a you know it's a program that's produced a ton of quality football players um, Keyshawn Bieria has some NFL uh, background. He was a sixth round pick of the Denver Broncos in 2018. Uh, the other guy really has 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 no background whatsoever. Malik Clements. He's he's just kind of a raw rookie. So I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe these three guys are all great, as you said, Dugster. Uh, but but at the at the same time, I, I have a hard time accepting that this team just basically disposed. Avante Diggs, because when you've got a player right of that caliber, uh, man, I, I I can't get over. I'm gonna say it's just it's a position I'm gonna scrutinize all season long because of Edmonton just ditching Vontae Diggs. All right, summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil that beach bod you've been working so hard to show off? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code 
FanSided20. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop down your worst weeds up top. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses 9,000 RPM motor powered by 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Ouch. Get 20% off for free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer with Manscaped. Let's keep it moving, Hudge. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Can the offensive line protect the new face of the franchise, Cody Fajardo, with all those expectations on his shoulders. Well, you've got Brennan Labatt, who's sitting out. You've got Tacoby Cofield, who was supposed to start a right tackle. He retired. Then you've got Cyrus Kwanjo. We talked about it two weeks ago. Comes in, retires. So all of a sudden, you're in a situation. You've got Taron Vaughn at left tackle. He's got a bum shoulder. He might need surgery. And now you're starting Brett Boyko at right tackle, where he got absolutely torched with the BC Lions in 2019 dunkster i'm very concerned about this offensive line i hate to say it man but it could be one of the downfalls and one of the major reasons why the riders take a big step back everyone in rider nation is looking at that 13 and 5 record the west final they feel like they're essentially a goal post away from being in the gray cup but it's not the same offensive line and we talked about linebackers with the edmonton elks the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have an entirely new linebacking core as well. And also a major question mark is who is going to take over that role for Charleston Hughes opposite A.C. Leonard. It looked like a couple guys had flashed, but first and foremost, you got to protect Fajardo. We saw that with the BC Lions in 2019 where Mike Riley just got the snot beat out of him. And hopefully that doesn't happen for Fajardo. Logan Furland is a guy that people there like. But is he ready to step into the lineup right now? No, the plan got moved ahead because Brandon Labatt decided to sit out the 2021 season, at least for now. And then the questions at tackle arose because of what you laid out off the top. So it's very concerning to me. That is the most critical question that needs to be answered if the Riders are going to contend for the Great Cup. Yeah, and I think Cody Fajardo has excellent weapons at his disposal, right? You got Shaq Evans... You know, you've got Kyron Moore, you've got Jordan Williams Lambert, you've got that really good group of Canadians, and you got William Powell. So on the skill side, this team I think is has got it made. Like like all the weapons are there, but exactly Dunkster. The BC Lions had a lot of good weapons in twenty nineteen and things simply did not pan out. I talked to somebody this week who had broken down all the film of Brett Boyko playing tackle in twenty nineteen. He started four games at right, one game at left for BC. And uh, frankly, they just said, yeah, I'm nervous for him. Uh, He's a really athletic player, uh, but he struggles with the bull rush. He struggles with timing his punch. He really struggled playing a yard off the ball because through all of college and a bunch of years in the NFL, even though he is Canadian from Saskatoon, he played four down football for, for a long time before making the transition to the CFL in 2019. So certainly this is something that that I am concerned about for Saskatchewan. And unfortunately, if they can't protect uh, 
Cody Fajardo, you, you got to wonder, can he stay healthy? Can he survive uh, that, that beating that he might take? On to the middle of this country, Dunkster, the heart of this country, Manitoba, where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have a critical question in the backfield. Can Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine step up in place of Andrew Harris? Andrew Harris is a superstar and could be the first Canadian ever to rush for 10,000 yards in the CFL. And I think he's uber talented, obviously dual threat coming out of the backfield. But one of the keys for this Blue Bombers team over this run since Kyle Walters was GM and Mike O'Shea was head coach has been the offensive line. Without the offensive line, Opening up those holes, running backs don't really have very much place to go unless they're an outstanding talent that's juking guys in the backfield. So I think Andrew Harris is certainly still better than those two, but we saw in spurts when Andrew Harris set out because of his PED suspension and missed games that Johnny Augustine came in and ran with the rock and had a high yards per carry average. Brady Oliveira, they say, is a bull with the football and could be hard to tackle. He's got to prove it in the game, but... If Harris is out, the level does drop, but I'm confident that those two guys, one of them at least, can step up. Johnny Augustine looks like a bodybuilder. He's got to prove that he can stay healthy, but he's got the body to stand up to that toll in all those carries. Yeah, to me, the answer is is yes. I don't think that you know Oliveira or Augustine are necessarily at Harris's level I mean Harris the last time we saw him play was the great cup MVP for goodness sake right I mean it, you're not gonna have a young player come in and do that but you mentioned it too Augustine started two games while Andrew Harris sat out two games uh being suspended for a PED test in 2019 and the team did not skip a beat they lost the Labor Day Classic, but they beat the Riders in the Banjo Bowl. And Augustine had, I think it was, you know, an average of 70 rushing yards a pop. He caught a 50-yard pass in the Banjo Bowl. Um, you know, it was a very Harris-like performance, frankly, in both games. And Oliveira, if you haven't done it already, folks, punch his name into YouTube, watch his stats, or, or his highlights, rather, from North Dakota. Because at 5'10", 225, uh, he is, you, you mentioned a dunk, perfect word. He's a bull. He can move the pile. He packs a bunch, and he told the media this week, he's like, well, I like to get the first hit anyways. He likes to be the hammer, not the nail, and I'm curious to see if he can make that happen if he gets the start this week against the Ticats. That's right. Week one, the opener of the entire season, Hamilton travels to Winnipeg. Jeremiah Masoli is the starter. Hodge, did they pick the right quarterback in your mind? Yes, I've been saying it for a year now. The starting quarterback of the Hamilton Tiger Cats is Jeremiah Mazzoli. Why? Because you're not going to put your your prized asset on the bench and let the young guy go out there and do his thing. And I know, I know, Orlando Steinauer repeatedly told the media, no, this is a true competition. This is a true competition. This is a competition, blah, 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 blah. And I think Orlando Steinauer is a great head coach. And I do think that he was being truthful, but at the same time, Dunkster, this was never, ever going to be Dane Evans' team. Am I wrong to think that? If Dane Evans would have clearly and decidedly outplayed Masoli in training camp, I think there would have been a chance. And I think it would have been much different if the Ticats and Dane Evans would have won the 2019 Grey Cup. 
instead of Dane Evans turning over the football and, to be quite honest, looking shell-shocked after that. So, really, you're right. I thought the whole time long it was going to be Masoli. The money led you that way. He got a $125,000 signing bonus on his contract. That's due to pay him over $300,000, I think even at the prorated amount. So, to me, it was much easier for the Ticats to start with Masoli, considering, and all the players say nice things about both of them, but you can see the excitement when a Simone Lawrence, for example, talks about Masoli, QB1, right? He's been that QB1 in Hamilton since 2017. So it's much easier in my mind to go from Masoli bring in Evans than it would have been to start Evans and bring in Masoli and what it would have done to the locker room. Yeah, and, and, and we might still see Dane Evans this year. And frankly, I think that Dane Evans is the long-term solution in Hamilton. He's going to be the fixture. Uh, but right now, it's it's Jeremiah Mazzoli's team. I, I said that a year ago. I said that six months ago, and I've said this on this podcast. And sure enough, he's he's the number one guy. Um, I think Jeremiah Mazzoli is, uh, you know, I'm not saying head and shoulders better than Dane Evans, but I think he brings more to the table. I think he's a certainly more mobile. He's got the veteran experience. Um, he, he's been he's been the divisional MOP for goodness sakes, not taking anything away from Dane Evans. He's probably the future in Hamilton, but he's not the present. Jeremiah Mazzoli is the guy, and I'm really excited to see what he can do coming back from that ACL because obviously, you know, this isn't any good to tie Cats fans now, but the question I, I always think sometimes is, well, would Jeremiah Mazzoli have won the 2019 Great Cup? Uh, Dane Evans got them there, but, you know, if, if you could – you know, go to an alternate universe and have Jeremiah Mazzoli play that game. Does he win it all and end Hamilton's Great Cup drought? Um, something I think about, and and I don't know what the answer is, but you know, he's a hell of a player. Moving on, we're going to the sixth dunkster, the Big Smoke, where the Toronto Argonauts have littered their roster with former NFL talent. My question is, can the former NFLers gel and become true CFL stars in 2021? Depends who you're talking about. Shane Ray, from all I've gathered from Argos camp, talking to players, personnel guys, and the coaches, he is going to be a legit pass rusher in the CFL. There's no doubt about that in their mind. He still needs to prove it on the field, though. But guy like Martavis Bryant hasn't even come up for training camp yet. He's still not in Canada. Now training camp is obviously over. Ryan Dinwiddie doesn't even have him in the offensive plans and has said that he doesn't even have a plan for him until he even arrives here. And he probably won't push anyone off the roster anyway. So let's talk about the guys that are here because as you said, that's the key. Sean Oakman, I think, can be a beast in the middle. Coney Ely as a rotational guy and a pass rusher and maybe in a NASCAR type of package, they like to call it when they put more pass rushers on the field in a second and long situation, could be dangerous. And Terry Poole is intriguing on the offensive line, the guy that they got in the Alden Darby trade. Yeah, I, I think Terry Poole actually is going to be their starting left tackle. Maybe not week one, but I think it's going to happen pretty soon. I've had people tell me that, and frankly, I, I think he's better than the other guys they've got who are going to be uh, potentially filling that spot. Uh, but let's talk about the D-line. I mean, let's not forget the Argos also have Cordero Law, though he has been limited in practice. They've got Drake Nevis. 
they, they've got some really talented veteran CFL players uh, who I think are underrated. And then, of course, they've got Charleston Hughes. Everybody knows Charleston Hughes. Everybody loves Charleston Hughes and what he can do on the field. Do you think that having those established Canadian veterans could potentially help some of these NFL guys take off, not only because you know the CFL guys have the knowledge and can you know can coach them up but also because they're going to be drawing some tension uh, attention from opposing blockers yeah it certainly helps twofold there especially Hughes right he can show you how to pass rush he knows how to get to the quarterback the tricks the nuances the yard off the ball all those types of things that go on behind the scenes that he'll be showing Ray, Ely, Oakman, and the bunch there will be critical and also drawing the attention, right? You know if you leave Hughes in a one-on-one situation, you know there's a better than 50-50 chance he's either going to hit the quarterback or take him to the ground or knock the ball loose and just wreak havoc. So he's going to command increased attention because teams are going to want to make Shane Ray, Coney Ely, Sean Oakman, that group prove that they can win in those one-on-one situations. We know Hughes can do it. So it's critical in multiple ways that these NFLers that are on the defensive line specifically can produce right away for the Argos. Yeah, it makes sense. And if I'm an OC, right, you might go, well, I suspect that Shane Ray can hurt me, but I know for a fact that Charleston Hughes can <laughs> hurt me. So that's that's where I'm going to put my, my eggs in. If, and, if, and if Shane Ray has a good first game, good for him. Dunkster, we are now going to the nation's capital in Ottawa, where for me the question is very simple. Can this team not be awful? (laughs) That just really sums up the way everyone thinks about the Ottawa Red Blacks going into 2021. And to be quite honest, I have a hard time seeing it. I know that Marcel Desjardins has pushed back against the doubters. Paul Apelis has as well. But... As much as we're not inside the building there, Hodge, and by no means are we head coaches or talent evaluators or anything of the like, but it's just hard to understand what the Ottawa Redlecks are trying to accomplish in 2021. Because if they were trying to win the Grey Cup, then I would argue, well, why isn't Nick Arbuckle still there? You know he's 100% healthy coming into camp. Matt Nichols was limited in week one of practice prep for the season. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. You have a guy like Naaman Roosevelt out there, a free agent, who could come in and help some of your young receivers. And oh, by the way, is arguably the best second down and long chain mover in the league still. And the last time we played almost had 1,000 yards, and you won't bring him in. Those are just a couple examples to me that show that, I hate saying it, Hodge, but it's the truth. The major question to me is, do the Ottawa Red Blacks really actually want to win in 2021? <laughs> Well, when you have to ask that question, you know the roster's bad. And I've talked to lots of people about this. Most people are just flabbergasted, frankly, at the moves either being made or not being made in Ottawa. You mentioned Naaman Roosevelt sitting on the street. Well, the Red Blacks don't want him. There was a conversation about bringing him in. They've decided against it, which is why he's not in their camp. Um, and, you know, yeah, Paul Apolis is there. Paul Apolis is an offensive guru. You know, he, he schemed the hell out of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers offense in 2019. And, you know, they, they, they were ninth in the CFL in passing, but they still scored more points than anybody. They moved the ball on the ground and they won a great cup. So maybe that's the goal in Ottawa is like, look, we only have to get 200 passing yards a game. We'll do that. We'll run the ball. But 
also, let's be honest, that offensive line is not Winnipeg's. It's already banged up. They lost Alex Mateus, who I think was their best offensive lineman across the board, to retirement. Uh, and, then, and then the running backs. I mean, Timothy Flanders was in Winnipeg with Paul Apolis. We know that he's not Andrew Harris. I'm not saying he's not a good player, but if you don't have that, that workhorse like you had in Winnipeg, I don't know why as a Red Blacks fan, you'd have any reason to be excited about this season. I'd be very happy to have the team prove me wrong, but I just do not see it, Dunkster, right now. I do not. Yeah, make us eat it. And, you know, people I've talked to around the league are saying, well, Paul Lapalise is looking to add either co-general manager or general manager to his title. That's why I ask, well, do the Red Blacks really want to win in 2021? And you look at the roster from 2019 that went 3-15 and and the one that is now going to start 2021, and arguably it's worse. So it makes you think, hey, is Lapalise trying to win the political battle behind the scenes? Marcel Desjardins ends up on his way out and Lapalise just takes over the whole thing there. I think it's possible. Dunkster, we got one last stop in La Belle Provence. Can Vernon Adams Jr. avoid the sophomore slump with the Montreal Alouettes? Who? The offensive line, similar to Cody Fajardo, is going to be the answer to that question. You lose a player like Trey Rutherford, the caliber that he was reaching. He was on the way to being one of the best, if not the best, Canadian offensive linemen in the entire league. They haven't been able to replace him. That was going to be impossible to do anyways. Fortunately, he's got a solid left tackle there. And that could be the pillar of that group overall. But I'm worried that they can't protect him well enough, although he has the escapability. But more so, people will say that Vernon Adams Jr. is either on or he's super cold, right? He has these moments, and we saw it in the East Division semifinal against Edmonton. It looked like he was going to bring the team back, but then all of a sudden he scrambles around, throws an ill-timed pick, and that comeback attempt died. So there are people that are wondering, is Adams Jr. too up and down? They want to see him more consistent and make more throws consistently from the pocket. You're right that the offensive line has regressed somewhat. Personally, I think one thing working to his advantage, because I, I was a little worried for Adams during the 2020 offseason when Quan Bray gets arrested. You've got William Stanback trying the NFL and you kind of go, OK, like, you know, part of the reason he was successful is that he had all these great targets. Right. They've also got Eugene Lewis. They've also got B.J. Cunningham. Right. Like they Jake Wineke reigning East Division, most outstanding rookie. So all of a sudden, you take out Quan Bray, who's the deep threat. You take out William Stanback, who's the workhorse running back out of the backfield. And suddenly it's like, okay, this is, uh, unless you find some good pieces, and they, they did sign Naaman Roosevelt, uh, that, that's obviously going to make it more difficult for Adams to be as effective. Well, William Stanback has the NFL out of the system. He's back. Quan Bray uh, gets out of prison, right? He gets, he, he's able to cross the border. I'll be a little bit late for training camp, but better late than never. So I, that's one of the reasons I have some optimism for, for 2021. I talked to Kahari Jones at a presser where, where he said he's going to help him avoid the sophomore slump. And, you know, as a former MLP quarterback, he knows all about having big seasons and trying to repeat them. So I'm optimistic. I agree with you. The offensive line is not as good as it was a year ago, but I'm optimistic that they can get it done. He's got playmakers around him, there's no doubt, and I'm sure he was happy to see Quan Bray be able to get back across the 
U.S. Canadian border into Canada. Some people think he shouldn't have come back up here. I mean, whatever, it is what it is now. He's up here. So he's got Quan Bray, he's deep threat. Eugene Lewis, his go-to target. That's a guy that I think doesn't really get talked about as much as he should. That is dynamic, that can beat you down the seams, that can move the sticks on second down, and you go on down the list there. They certainly have playmakers, but Adams can't be erratic anymore. You're the franchise guy. You're cemented in with that contract. You need to play like it on a consistent level week in and week out. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up. We've gone coast to coast. We'll be back with our usual podcast format next week where we can break down all of the action from week one, Doug Circus. Guess what? In just one more day, we're going to have actual CFL football. We can't wait. We've gone coast to coast, set up all of your favorite teams. Let's have at her. I can't wait. It's about time, man. Kick this thing off. Let's get it going, and hopefully it doesn't stop. (laughs) Absolutely. We'll see you next Wednesday. Enjoy the games this week, folks. You've deserved it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.